Hey, it's Football Outsiders Livecast, folks. Welcome to our big live broadcast that we do over the internets uh, every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And here we are for Thursday. I believe it is December 23rd. Oh, my God. It's almost next year. Hi, I'm Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. Uh, I'm joined by Mike Tanier and Brian Knowles. Can you guess which one of us does not celebrate Christmas <laughs> from today's headgear? Uh, ho, ho, ho. Sorry, I had ho, to ho, that. ho, Merry Week 16. Yeah. Merry, Merry Bookmas. Yes. Merry Bookmas. Oh, we'll get to Bookmas. It is a happy Bookmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are here over YouTube and Twitch, Facebook and Twitter, Widget in the Quarter of Football Outsiders, and later on on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Please, if you are watching us live, bring on your questions. We want all of your questions about Week 16, which is, as we were discussing before we came on the air, oh, it's, it is Festivus today, right? Happy Festivus. Um we will be the airing of grievances. Does anyone have any grievances they particularly want to air? We have nothing but grievances. That's that's what that's what was going on before we came on. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that. I mean, all of our favorite teams are in the playoff race. Yeah, that's right. You know, the Eagles not quite as much, but they're there. Merry Hurtsmas. and Merry, Merry Wentzmas, and Merry Wentzmas because we get a, an extra first round pick next year. Yeah, and you get to watch Wentz on Christmas and root against him so that your first-round pick goes higher. It's 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 a Christmas miracle here in Philadelphia. Um, but also, when I mean, we were talking about before we came on air, the second week to be heavily affected by COVID, as yeah. witnessed by the fact that it is Ian Bookmas. <laughs> like, we will, when we get to, I have eight games on our rundown, and we'll get to in each of these games how much they may or may not be affected by players on the COVID list. And that is like, besides the fact that we don't know who will go on the COVID list between now and when you're listening to this later on the podcast network and when the games are played on Saturday and Sunday, things are subject to change. Mm. Frustratingly subject to change. Yeah. So do, uh, you may want to wait before you put down your bets. <laughs> um, so we've got Brian here in part to preview, especially tonight's game, which is a nice good one for Thursday. I believe this is the last Thursday night game of the it year. And it is the San Francisco 49ers at the Tennessee Titans. San Francisco makes the playoffs in 91% of Sims if they win, 60% if they lose. The Titans make it 99% of the time if they win, 84% of the time if they lose. There's a big gap between these teams in DVOA, even though the Titans have more wins. San Francisco is seventh overall right now. Tennessee is 23rd overall. And they are getting back, apparently, both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones for this game. Is that is that official as of... Julio Official? Jones has been – both of them have been practicing this week. Right. Yeah, it's right. not official for uh, A.J. Brown yet, but it, it looks it looks that way. He's not on the injured list because he's still technically to be activated, but they can activate him at any point. We um, 
the, the Titans are missing left tackle Taylor Lewan, who has a back injury, and left guard Roger Saffold, who has COVID. So uh, Nick Bosa should have a good game. Against Kendall Lamb, who I believe we saw getting pushed around. I forget by whom, but Lamb had a real rough game against one of the elite edge rushers earlier in the year. So, uh, so Brian, tell me how you're feeling about those San Francisco 49ers at this point. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's still the best way to put it. Uh, I, I'm very optimistic about this week just because the Titans don't have an offensive line to speak of. I mean, with two players out and then with the other three players not exactly world beaters by themselves, Bosa and Eric Armstead and, and uh, DJ, everyone's going to come in and crash the line. The Niners might have shown who they are at this point. They're a team with some very solid strengths and some massive gaping weaknesses. They have no cornerbacks to speak of whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So when the news that uh, Julio was going to play and that AJ, Green was gonna, AJ Brown was going to come back and play, that, that was a potential threat because the Niners cannot stop deep passes. And mm-hmm. if the Niners fall behind, I, I still have no faith in Jimmy Garoppolo able to manufacture wins on his own. When things are going smoothly, Garoppolo has played great. Garoppolo has been, can run the offense. Garoppolo can find the open receiver. But he doesn't make any plays where it's like, oh, we need something crazy to happen. You know, Patrick Mahomes, throw something sideways. Kyler Murray, run backwards for 10 seconds of the ball. No, Garoppolo <laughs> can't do any of that. But again, but with the Titans missing so much of their offensive line, I think this one is going to be – I think the Titans are going to fall behind early and the Niners are going to have a decently easy ch- uh, time of running the ball on them. I will say the 49ers are second in DVOA against the run. Yes. And they are fourth in DVOA against short passes. Yep. Very strong linebackers. They are dead last against deep passes. Yes. Ambry Thomas, who will be the starting cornerback, may well be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL at this point in time. He's Mr. Illegal Hands to the Face guy. Is that correct? That 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 was that was that was two weeks ago. Last week he <laughs> was the I'm going to be in position and then watch uh, everyone moss me play after play after play after play. After so watching we, nonstop football with me, even my girlfriend understands that you cannot put your hands on the face. Yes. The <laughs> Thomas is a third round rookie. He is not at all ready to be playing right now, but the Niners just do not have any more warm bodies. The, the, the split seemed to suggest the idea of a Titans comeback. That the 49ers, even if the 49ers take the lead, they may not be able to fully stave the Titans off because even if the Titans have to build their offense around deep passes to try to come back, that's the biggest weakness of the 49ers. So, hey, woo. Absolutely. Yeah, if if Tannehill has enough time to actually throw it, that's the problem. That's right. the way the Niners have been surviving is with their pass rush and with the linebackers taking away the short passing game. Uh, if if the backups can hold up against the line, yeah, there there are deep passes to be had, and that's going to be a problem against teams who can block. I just don't think that's the Titans this week. I, I don't either. And there's a difference between Julio Jones being back and Julio Jones being back. Yeah, uh, and I don't think is, Julio Jones will ever be back at this point. His hamstring is just going to bug him. Right, right. So, like, we kind of wait for that Julio to come. And they still got the two guys. They don't, they don't really have a number three and number four. They also don't have an offensive coordinator who adjusts well to these situations. Uh, you know, last week against the Steelers, I think Tom said it on yesterday's po- podcast, is run on first down, pass on second down. Or it's pass on second down, run on first <laughs> pass on first down, run on second down. There's, like, these very predictable patterns they fall into. They didn't do a lot. What looked like it was adjustment against the Steelers. 
I don't have a lot of faith in, in the Titans saying, oh, we've got this one opportunity. Let's exploit it. Uh, L.L. Salerno asks if there have been any updates on Derrick Henry. Do we think he's healthy for the playoffs? There haven't been any updates, which means I do think he will be healthy for the playoffs because a few weeks ago, that's what they said, is that he would likely be able to return for the playoffs. So since there haven't been any updates since then, I'm still going with that. Ian Rapsheet sent a sort of cautiously optimistic sounds like the agent talking thing that he would be back, but that was about two weeks ago. There hasn't been a lot since. I forgot to check one stat, which is very important for playing the San Francisco 49ers, which is yards after the catch allowed. That is the huge one going in there. So uh... by the Tennessee defense. So I am checking that right now and they are average. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The results are are average. With, with average pass distance, right? Because obviously yeah. you know that in general, shorter pass distance equals more yak, longer pass distance equals less yak. They have average pass distance allowed and average yak allowed. So average, but right, we know nobody gets yards after the catch like the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've, they've, been, they've been the leader in yak plus in every year Shanahan's been there, but one. And that was yeah. when Brian Hoyer was the quarterback and turns out you can't run a yak plus our, uh, offense with Brian Hoyer. Yeah. <laughs> My, my Austin Moorhead says no 49ers Titans write up. The, did you forget to write up the 49ers Titans? Because normally this is Friday's column. Yep. That's it. That's exactly it. And I just put <laughs> it in there. Right. So, I mean, well, all, everything you're saying there is Austin is correct. I think we're about to give our picks in a second here, but, uh, but yeah, I think Austin, your, uh, your, your instincts are correct. I think you're going to hear 49ers from me. I'm not sure what you guys are going to say on this one. Yeah, the line right now is 49ers by three. And the (laughs) FO picks love this pick. The only reason I didn't make this pick of the week is that it's the Thursday night game. And I wanted the pick of the week video to be more um, evergreen, to be able to be played all weekend. So I ended up going with a game that we're not discussing on today's program, which is Detroit. What do you got? Atlanta. That the pick of the week is Detroit plus five and a half. Yeah, I, t- I took that. Good. But this is a this is a game that the numbers our numbers are really strong on San Francisco. Even and I think even if you account for the wide receivers coming back, if you also account for the loss of the offensive linemen, they kind of neutralize each other. Right. I took. I got two and a half. Forty uh, nine minus two and a half parlayed with the over. The over under is at forty four point five. We talked about the problems in the secondary, the potential for a comeback. And if you look at the last few 49ers games, last couple, they're higher scoring than you would think a 49ers game would be. There's more back and forth going on in those games. So I got a, the 49ers minus the points and the over. And I got that, I believe, at plus 235. So that's that's my pick for tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar about there. I think the Niners covered the three-point spread without too much problem. The over is an interesting one, but I, I – I like with, with the Niners cornerbacks, I like the idea. Right. So right. there's all kinds of ways you get that. You can get that on pick sixes, strip sacks, late backdoor nonsense. There's a lot of ways you can get that. Uh, CCX3, speaking of the Detroit Atlanta game, says if Goff is out, we take Atlanta, right? Yeah, I, I did pick of the week before Goff got COVID. Right. So I, I would say if Goff is out, I would stay away from the game entirely. But, um, Patrick Seeley says, if the Titans can make the Niners throw outside the numbers or fool Jimmy with linebackers, they could win. Jimmy reads his wide receivers and not his defense. That's why he throws to linebackers a lot. But that's not the linebackers that the Titans have, especially Zach Cunningham. 
is a run stopper who we yeah. know suffers against play action. So that's just not the linebackers that that's not the linebackers that the Titans have on the field, right? Yeah, I mean, not, not a good matchup. So, all right, let's talk about our second game for this week, and that is Christmas Cleveland at Green Bay. The Packers are already in the playoffs. Cleveland makes the playoffs 36% of the time if they win, 10% of the time if they lose. And Cleveland has a lot of players on the COVID list, so we don't really know who's playing for Cleveland in this game. Green Bay has a couple of players, and they're important ones, Marquez Valdez-Cantling and Kenny Clark, but they are not wrecked to the point that Cleveland is wrecked on COVID. But we don't know whether players because a lot of those Cleveland players have been on the COVID list now for like a week. So like if they test, you know, negative, do they get to come back? I, I don't yeah. exactly know how it all, right. how it all works. Cause in part, cause I don't know who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. Yeah. Re- recently uh, getting from Mary Kay Cabot at the plane dealer, Baker Mayfield's asymptomatic and has been for several days and is waiting for what he hopes will be a positive test. And Mayfield will be back. A negative test. Yeah. A negative test. A good news positive, but negative means you don't have COVID. I just did a Michael Scott there. Um, but in addition to the COVID list, let's see, Greg Newsom was added. That's cornerback Greg Newsom to the list on Wednesday. So he's likely out. Denzel Ward is on the injury list with a groin injury. Um, Troy Hill just went on, uh, has not yet been activated. That's another, that's their nickel defender. Um, and safety Josh Johnson was added on Monday. So when you're hearing these added Mondays, added Wednesdays, these are guys who are probably less likely to test out. And that's in the secondary that has to stop Devontae Adams and, and, and Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, if there's a silver lining there about the secondary problems, it's that the Packers have, have a ton of problems focused at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Uh, about as Scantling's out with COVID, Tanyan and Cobb are both banged up. So, uh, sorry, they're, they're both out. Uh, uh, St. Brown and Taylor both banged up. So you still got Devontae Adams on Lazard, but you have after that, I think you have Amari Rogers being the third uh, pass catcher right. at the moment. So if the, maybe that balances out a little bit. But One split I found, which I thought was interesting Cleveland's defense by downs, okay. fourth on first downs, 13th on second downs, 30th on third downs. Aaron huh. Rodgers. Second on third downs. Yeah. Huh. Is it a third third and short, third and long breakdown in any I, way? I, I didn't look, so let's look at third right. and short and third and long. Hold on a second. Because it seems like a team that is good on first down is going to put themselves in good, favorable, down and distance third down. Cleveland's defense is the worst in the league on third and short. 20th on third and medium and 30th on third and long. So it's both short and long. That's weird. It's somewhat less than ideal. Yeah. It's less than ideal. And I, I don't know. Does that speak to scheme and coaching? Because one thing to say, oh, we give up too many splash plays third and long. Another thing to say, well, on third and short, when they can open the whole playbook. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit random. I think there's a little bit of randomness. Like the third down, it's not quite like red zone where it's like very inconsistent. But third down is more inconsistent than first and second down. Right. right. Um, but I don't know. Because you're right. It is third and short and and third and long where they have problems. I don't know what causes those problems, but they have the problems. And Green Bay is not a good team to have the problems against. No, no. And I, I think we spoke a little bit about this yesterday, that the Packers have a great track record against these middleweight opponents who kind of like to play tortoise ball. Like, oh, we're going to be a ball control type team. If you look at their resume, they produce 27 to 17 type victories. Right, they don't whack the 
crap out of them. No. But they no. have these healthy victories. Right. You know, right. that that are, you know, 10 to 14 points. And this seems like a similar one. I will give you an interesting bet to go with, though. Oh. Uh, I know you like first quarter splits. Yes. And, you know, I feel like there's a little bit of signal in first quarter offense. I don't feel like there's really any signal in first quarter defense. I think I, I that, do agree. that that's that's just kind of random. Okay. The Browns are sixth in offense in the first quarter and 15th after. Okay. The Packers are 19th in offense in the first quarter and first after. Ooh. Right That's now, cool. it's Browns plus three in the first quarter. Yeah. I, I think that's an interesting little bet. I think I might do it. I got two and a half right here. But, again, that, that covers a nothing-nothing first quarter. That covers them rolling down, kicking the field goal, and the Packers maybe have it struggling a little bit. And what was the what were the Packers uh, in the first quarter? Nineteenth, you said. Nineteenth on offense. I, I can also tell you these are two of the worst defenses in the first quarter. So you could also go over seven point five. Uh, I'm at nine point five. No, oh, wait, I am at seven point five. Yeah, I'm going to go over seven point five and root for. Uh, no, no, no. I'm at nine point five. I can't do that. I don't know what happened here. They heard you talking and they and they moved that over up. So I'm going to take the Browns plus two and a half. That's a nice Christmas something, something to root for, for on Christmas. Dinner. Yeah, right after dinner, drive my mom home, come home, get some, get make a little money. I love it. Uh, the line for the entire game is Packers by seven and a half. Yeah, I'm, I have to take the Packers on that one because even if Baker Mayfield is cleared. I, my understanding is he can't practice until Saturday. Saturday is the earliest day he can be cleared, yeah. which is which. Th there are some quarterbacks like that can roll in there without practice and do well. I'm not sure Baker Mayfield's in that class quite yet. He's not in my head. <laughs> and even if he was fully healthy, I might still take Packers seven and a half. Honestly, so yeah, I'm on Green Bay for this one. Yeah, I'm going with you on that. Especially like we saw Donovan Peoples Jones, and I think he redeemed himself late on Monday, and maybe Landry gets back. But like you're seeing the limits of this guy, uh, so. Uh, I, I, I got my bet. I got my first quarter bet, but I'll go with the Packers too for the whole game. The FO pick is Cleveland, but I have it right now. I have it set with Mayfield. Okay. So I think, given the chance that it's Mullins, yeah, I would go with the Packers in the seven and a half. All right. Packers minus seven and a half because of the possibility that it's not going to be Mayfield. I think even without the practice time, I kind of like the idea of Cleveland keeping it a little closer. Right. With um. With, with Mayfield at quarterback, but um, the possibility that he doesn't play, I think. Yeah. yeah, seven is right at that number even with him. Yeah. Yeah, like, like the 24 to 17 game, yeah. Uh, second game, Indianapolis at Arizona. Cardinals are in the playoffs pretty much either way. It's 99% if they lose. Colts, 97% with a win, 83% with a loss. And these two teams are right next to each other in DVOA. But yes. I will point out in weighted DVOA, the Colts get higher and go up to sixth, and the Cardinals get lower and go down to 11. Uh, not a lot of COVID names in this game right now. Rodney Hudson, however, still on the COVID list, and Arizona definitely missed him against Detroit. Yes, they also are missing punter Andy Lee. 
who's their holder. So, I mean, that's that's small. The, the big news, there's a couple of names on the uh, Indianapolis list. Quentin Nelson had an illness. It was not COVID, and he's returning to practice. So that would have been the all eyes on him. Brian Kelly should also be back uh, from his family-related absence, and he's yes, sad. Sad news for Ryan Kelly, absolutely. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, his daughter passed away, young yes. daughter. Yes. So, um, I do think that it's interesting. The Colts' offense, as you can probably guess, is first against the run. It's first running, not against the run. First running, twentieth passing. It is very rare for a good offense to be more efficient running than passing. Usually the only offenses that are more efficient running than passing are the games are, are the offenses that are really, really bad passing games. Right. And the Colts are more efficient running than passing because Taylor is just having this out of his gourd season with amazing blocking Cardinals defense though, is eight against the run. They're better against the pass than against the run, but it's a good run defense. I will note, however, the Cardinals, if the run defense has a weakness, it's right up the middle. I believe they're 26th in adjusted line yards up the middle defensively. Ooh. And so, it was definitely a problem against the Lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're going to get sliced by Craig Reynolds, you're going to get sliced <laughs> by Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. They're also, uh, I believe, yes, 32nd in second level rank. Which is probably a, a little bit of a randomness to second level rank, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, they will give up those five yard runs turned into ten yard runs against the Cardinals a lot, and that's another thing that Jonathan Taylor has done very well—not just breakaway yards, but just getting those consistent chunks. Yeah, Patrick Seely says, "How can you tell if the Cardinals' troubles are a trend or a bump in the season?" I mean, that's one of the things that's difficult to tell. I do think that both Kale uh, Clinton in any given Sunday and Derek Klassen in film room. Mm-hmm. Both covered this game and did a good job of pointing out Kale like Hudson, what they missed in Hudson, and obviously what they miss in DeAndre Hopkins. And yeah. DeAndre Hopkins not being there is a trend. It's true, but the Cardinals offense would have plays where things broke down and Murray got out of the pocket and it was just, look, chuck it to Hopkins because he can win one-on-one balls. And right. Christian Kirk is a good receiver, but mm-hmm. he's not going to be doing that. Right, right. Right. And, and as so much, they are very disinclined to keep things simple and run the ball off tackle, which they should, which is generally not a good plan. But when you're struggling against the Lions, that might be what you want to do. Like this team, you should be able to overpower this team. 17 points should get you a win. Yeah, I mean, they're tackle. 24th in run DVOA. So this is not a great running, even though right. Connor has lots of touchdowns and yay, he's on a couple of my fantasy teams. I love that. But, <laughs> um, this is not a good – the Arizona is not a good running team, and that's even with Murray. Some of it is is all the aborted snaps. They're like, I don't know. Brian, you asked me to look up, and I haven't had a chance to, like, try to look up what the record is for aborted snaps in a season, but the Cardinals have a lot of aborted snaps, and yeah. those end up getting counted as runs. One of the things I want to do in the next version of DVOA is uh, count aborted snaps as their own thing that are neither runs nor passes. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, but you're right. Even, even bumbled handoffs, I don't think, really tell you about a team's actual ability to run the ball. They're just bumbled yeah. handoffs. Yeah, they tell you something about the running back sometimes, but not not the team. As a, as a whole. Oh, CCX3 points out Edmonds has the top run DVOA in the league in a small sample. Wow. 
Didn't even didn't even spot that. That's and that, he is back now. Edmonds is back. Well, yes, he hasn't played for a few weeks, so we right. wouldn't spot the small sample. But he is back now. Um, the Colts are weak against wide receiver ones, which I guess is Christian Kirk now, and tight ends. So maybe a big Burtz game or Wesley, the kid they kept throwing to last week, uh, had us pulling our hair out as we were watching that game. Yeah, I don't know why he's such a big part of the offense now. He's not a tight end, right? He's a receiver. Is he a receiver? He's actually he's a receiver. receiver. Uh, the line on this game is currently Arizona minus one. I'll take that. You'll I'll take, take the you, You'll take the Cardinals? I'll take the bounce back game from the Cardinals. We might be, I, as I wrote and walked through, Maybe a little bit of a recency bias, a little halo around the Colts right now in terms of their overall quality. And, yeah, yeah. The, based on last week, this is a blowout one way based on the whole season. DVOA says it's closer. I think the Cardinals are a better team, certainly than what we've seen last week and the last two weeks. So I'm going that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, too. The, the pumps, I just have no faith in Carson Wentz. If the Cardinals offense does have a bounce back game, I don't see Wentz being able to really lead them back. He did nothing. Last week, he, I think he completed five passes. Less than nothing. He threw yeah, an interception to let the, it was the Patriots very back. embarrassing for the Patriots to lose to a quarterback who had that bad a game. It reminded me a little bit of Rex Grossman in the in the crown their ass game. I mean, he succeeded on those three uh, fourth and one sneaks or third and one sneaks or whatever they were, and uh, so I mean that it's something, but. Just, I have no faith in him being able to get the ball out if, if this becomes a, oh, the Cardinals offense is ticking again. Can the Colts respond? I'm going with recency bias. I'm going with weighted DVOA. Okay. I'm going with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins and Jonathan Taylor being able to run on the Cardinals. I would pick I would pick the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts to win this game. Right. Previously, though, it was no line. Now it's Cardinals by one. Either way, I would pick the Colts. And Patrick Seeley, you're right. The thing is, Carson Wentz can surprise defenders by throwing the ball so accurately to them that it kind of gets them mixed up. Like, they're off their game when he throws the ball at them. So yeah. that's what happens. Aaron is going with the chat, most importantly of all. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know either. Oh, this CH of all time? <laughs> Joey help Sucher, Joey, you're going to me. You're gonna have to inform me as to what that means. I hope it's not dirty. Yes, I hope so. Joey um, <clears throat> will hook us up here. Oh, there's a poll in the chat. Yeah, yeah we, we don't get to see the poll. That the oh, poll is poll. Gushy, um, what's this poll? Eighty-seven percent of us picked Indy. Okay, oh. yeah, Indy it is. Um, I we don't see the poll. I don't know why we don't see. The <laughs> I have no idea there was a poll in this chat. That's awesome. Good for the poll. Yes. Um. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Let's get to the Sunday games. Um, this is the most important game of the week for playoff odds by far, like over 100% uh, leverage between the two teams. Uh, the Ravens are in the playoffs 80% of the time if they win this game and only 28% if they lose. The Bengals, 75% if they win, 24% if they lose. And obviously, these teams have played before. Cincinnati won 41 to 17 in week seven. And we do not know who is quarterbacking Baltimore. No. Although Tyler Huntley has been so good yes. that Baltimore actually has a higher offensive DVOA in Tyler Huntley games 
than in the Lamar Jackson games. Baltimore also has 11 players on the COVID list right now. Yes. Cincinnati only has Chidi Awuzie, who went on it last week, therefore might come off before this game. Right. The Ravens had 13 healthy defenders yesterday at practice. Oh that is yeah. not great. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, the Ravens' defense is 29th against the pass and 5th against the run, and Jamar Chase destroyed them with 200 yards. Oh, my goodness. First time these teams met up. Right, and he was destroying Marlon Humphrey, as I recall, in that game. So, like, he was going up against – there is no Marlon Humphrey now. <laughs> right, so, so now he's going up for – I don't know the names of the backups who are out there right Here, now. Here's another stat to freak out Baltimore fans. First down, pass DVOA. Cincinnati, number one. Baltimore, dead last. Wow. I'm surprised at that by Cincinnati because they run their passing game runs hot and cold. But I'm guessing a lot of their big big plays came Wait, either. Did or. I mark that down right? I feel like I didn't mark that down right. I think that that must be something else. Cincinnati's – okay, no, that's wrong. I don't know what I was trying to write down, but that is wrong. I take that stat back. That didn't sound right to me once I said it. <laughs> and I don't know what I was trying to write down in my notes. And so it might be uh, something uh, something else. I, I don't know what I was trying to write down. Never mind. Take it back. <laughs> That's the thing we can do when we're on live is I can take it back. Take it back. Michael Walsh says the Bengals are an excellent argument for a straddle bet. The line is currently Bengals by three. I mean, I'm going to take the Bengals by three. I'm not going to get carried away trying to middle anything or anything like that. But, uh, you know, one thing I did notice, the Bengals, we joke about, like, their inconsistency. Their defense has been very consistent over the last couple weeks. I checked the DVOA. Above average uh, defense every week. The the, uh, 49ers game. The kid kept fumbling the kickoff returns and everything, and that's why the score was higher. Their defense played pretty well when the ball wasn't at the 12-yard line, et cetera. So I think they're going to play well defensively in this game. So much of their up-and-down variance lately has been the special teams, both those fumbles and their kicker, Evan McPherson, rookie, goes between I kicked four 50-yarders for the win and I missed a missed a four. Overall, yard. they're below, above average on special teams. So right. they would seem to neutralize most of Baltimore's special teams' advantage other than – that you know you can't neutralize Justin Tecker on field goal, right? And you can't, and also you either fumble or you don't fumble. And I, I think they they changed out their return men to solve that problem. CCX3 says this feels like the 49ers game where Zach Taylor just chokes a lead away through conservatism. I would like to see the Bengals play a complete game offensively at some point. I believe they are dead last in uh, offensive DVOA in the first quarter. I would mm. like to see them start hot against the Ravens team, which is vastly undermanned. Because not, not so much for this game, because I do think the Ravens are just so banged up that I think the Bengals are going to manage this one. But if we're going to try to take them seriously over the last couple of weeks and possibly into the playoffs, I would like to see them actually take advantage of these situations and start. They are dead last. They are, in fact, dead last in offense in the first quarter. And yes, Joe Burrow, Patrick Seeley points out, loves to get sacked. They love Although to the get... Ravens are not a great pass rush this year. And Even the reason he gets and Justin Houston on the team. The reason he gets sacked so much is there's no max protect. It's always a five-man protection scheme, usually looking for a deep pass. He's actually pretty good moving around the pocket when you watch him. He's just stuck in these hopeless situations a lot in that offense. 
Uh, so again, the line on this game is uh, Cincinnati by three. Yeah, the Ravens are just too banged up and not healthy. I, I have to take Bengals minus three on this one. Michael uh, Walsh, if you want to tell us what you have in mind for a straddle bet, we can look at it. But I'm with, right now. I'm just saying, <laughs> let's go, let's go with the Bengals and not like uh, overcomplicate things. Yeah, um, I guess because of the COVID absences and the fact, like the defense only having 13 players. Yeah, I guess I'm leading Bengals too. But I gotta say, if the line goes any higher than minus three. I would lean Ravens. Huntley has played pretty well. Huntley has played well. They are obviously resilient. They're they're staying in every single game. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, right now, based on the COVID, we have to go with what we see. Yeah, Ravens big brother. Is it a big brother game? I don't think. I mean, I think that Cincinnati's win over Baltimore earlier this year sort of got them out of that we can't beat Baltimore rut. Yeah, And you can't be, you know, most of the recent Bengals losses, Oh, uh, most of the recent uh, Bengals losses to the Ravens were Lamar Jackson running all over them, and there may not be Lamar Jackson in this game. Uh, Michael Walsh says, if you bet yeah. both Bengals minus 10 and Ravens <laughs> minus 4. Take it. Uh, yeah. I, I, or, or, or I think you might be saying, would it be Ravens plus 4? Or do you mean Ravens minus four? So that's that. I mean, if you bet both Bengals minus ten and Ravens minus four, if it's um, you're trying to you're trying to get a middle here. I'm confused. Yeah, if the if the Ravens win, that way, if one of the teams wins by three, you don't win anything. Betting against a close game. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. No, I think a close game is pretty possible given the uh, recent Baltimore record. So yeah. I would I would stay away from that actually. Okay. Um, Buffalo at New England. Here we go. Buffalo makes the playoffs in ninety nine percent of Sims with a win, seventy two percent with a lose, with the loss. Patriots a hundred percent with a win, ninety eight percent with a loss. There is a. Uh, there is a scenario where the Patriots miss the playoffs, but it requires them to basically to lose to Miami, lose this game, yeah. lose to Miami in week 18. Miami has to win out. And then like a bunch of other stuff has to happen <laughs> in order for Miami to kick the Patriots out of the playoffs. Yeah. So the Patriots lose out, if the Patriots lose out, the Dolphins win out, the Dolphins win the AFC East. So, you know, but, <laughs> but, but even then, but basically, this well, no, this game basically decides. I don't think the Dolphins can get ahead of Buffalo as Buffalo wins this game. Yeah, yes, they can, although it's very difficult. So this game basically decides the AFC East. Although, like you said, small chances of Miami winning if they win out, and if if the Patriots lose this game, there is a small chance of Buffalo of, of New England still winning the division. But it would require Buffalo to lose to Atlanta or the Jets. Um. There's a secondary graphic I think we did, which is the percent chance of going to the Super Bowl and how this game will affect that, which is a much larger hmm. effect. Hmm. The Bills go to the Super Bowl in 20% of Sims if they win, 7% if they lose. The Patriots, 36% if they win, 17% if they lose. Obviously, with the caveat, yes, I know our numbers like the Patriots more than the market, more than anybody else with a 
the, the, with the flames of a thousand suns, do our numbers love the Patriots? <laughs> um, Buffalo is actually now ahead of the Patriots in DVOA on the season, okay. but the Patriots are ahead of the Bills in weighted DVOA. Right. Both defenses are stronger against the pass than the run, and these teams are similar in every way, basically. The Patriots may run more often than the Bills, mm -hmm. but in efficiency, they're very similar, both running and, surprisingly, given the quarterbacks, passing. Hmm. And both teams are missing a really important wide receiver, although Kendrick Bourne may test negative and come back from the COVID right. list, whereas we know Cole Beasley – we all know Cole Beasley is not vaccinated and therefore is definitely out of this game. Is there a weather component to this game? I believe that it is like a 50% chance of light snow, but I don't think it is major snow. No, no the last game, it's going to be it's going to be played on Miami Beach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Looking at my 10-day forecast. Yes. Um, no, 42 degrees with rain. Rain? 32% uh, chance of rain. Okay, that's probably not going to be a thing. It's not going to be like super windy and a six mile an hour winds. This is so there's not really a weather component to this game. Right. Yeah, I, I watched the Bills execute one of the most unimpressive blowout victories I've seen in a long time against the Panthers, where the Panthers had no kicker. Uh, they had nothing on offense except Cam running power and 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 then occasionally kind of like staring down DJ Moore. There's really nothing on that offense there. And they, they just lingered and lingered and lingered. And it's, it's just that that version of the Bills that you cannot have any faith in because they're committing turnovers when they, they shouldn't be bothered with it. They're falling for the same play over and over again, and they're not stopping it. And they come up with a win because they're just a superior team. But you're like, why wasn't this – you know, 38 to nothing. Why wasn't this another blowout? Like the blowouts that we saw week two, week three, week four of the season. And I feel like they are very unsuited to do what the Colts just did to the Patriots, where the Colts just dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, right. made, you know, took away the running game, made Mac Jones have to try to make some plays to beat him. I, that doesn't feel, strike me like the Bills game at all. And so mm -hmm. it's not it's not as good of a matchup for them. Their offensive line is, like I've said on the show a few times, they're more of a finesse team. They're based more around the pass. They're not going to dictate anything in the run game. Right. They're not going to push the Patriots around. Their defensive line is a pass-rushing defensive line. They're not a run-stopping defensive line. Right. Like, uh, you know, all credit to them for pass-rushing, but that's what they do best. I still think that the Patriots will have a run-heavy offense, although it's not going to be like last time. And I will point out that while the Patriots have issues at wide receiver with Aguilar injured and Bourne possibly out, the Bills are very strong covering wide receivers. Mm -hmm. They are average covering tight ends and running backs. Right. And therefore, this really does set up for the Patriots to do a lot of passing out of heavy formations. Right. Although that's, when you aren't afraid of the receivers, it does change the calculus there. It's like, oh, now we can we can focus more on tight ends uh, along the way. Um, and the Bills remain a terrible yak team. They're the anti-49ers, and having Beasley out is not going to help that. And I always watch them saying, why can't we get a screen game going with these running backs who seem like they're good open field guys, Singletary a good speed guy, Moss a good power guy. I don't even know if Breed is available. Breed is right fast. I don't, yeah, yeah, you can do these. Why don't you get more – Knox is a good tight end. Why don't you get him more involved? But that, the, that's the mystery of the Bills right now, where you think, seem like they can do all these things on offense, and they do very few of them. Yeah, the Bills are 11th in offensive DVOA, 
And all season long, it's been like, doesn't it feel like they should be, we all keep waiting for them to be higher. We keep waiting right. for the bills of last year to come back. Yeah. And they're not. CCX3 points out that their wide receivers, including Diggs, have been underperforming, except Gabriel Davis, who's on fire. And I believe Emmanuel Sanders is still out. Right. Yeah. And that's another problem. They don't have that. So that's Davis that. as the third receiver. Right. And then Isaiah McKenzie will play the. So it will be Davis and Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie in, uh, in the uh, role of, of Beasley. Yeah. And McKenzie was benched a couple weeks ago against the Patriots because he fumbled a couple weeks prior on a kickoff return. So they deactivated him. So I, I, he's a guy I'll look at and say, yeah, you can run reverses with him. You can diversify your offense with this guy. Maybe we'll get to see more of that in this game. He de uh, They also have been deactivating Moss, by the way. They have been deactivating Moss. I, so I, don't, I don't know. I would think maybe in this game, maybe they feel like, you know, it'll be colder. They need more of the power running. Although, like I said, it's not going to be an elements game. Right. So they don't really need the power running any more than you would in an average game. Patrick Seeley says, as a Pats fan, this game is a toss-up. Josh Allen could run a lot and win. Right. But if the Bills overcommit to the run, Matt could hit play actions. And I feel like I'm in pretty agreement with that. Also, yeah. as a Pats fan, I also feel this game is a toss-up. And I do think that Matt can hit play actions against this defense. Um, and it's not going to be like the first game. He's not only going to throw three times. And I would expect Hunter Henry to have a nice game in this one. I, I'm leaning in the same direction you guys are, and it's kind of a toss-up. Um, you know, I wanted to just go with the, oh, well, the, we, we talked before about it being sort of a split. It was a likely split, and but my my, my lack of faith in the Bills. Right. Before before the two games are played, yeah. you say the most likely result is a split. Yeah. After the first game has been played, though, that doesn't – it would be gambler's fallacy to then say the Bills right. are going to win right. this game. Right. Uh, it's really 50-50, I think. Um, Patriots, uh, I will say, their defense, we were talking about why – the Bills can't really build a screen game. It's too bad. The Patriots are weak against running right. backs as receivers, but they're super strong against tight ends right. and number one receivers. Which that, is that's what I come back, keep going back to. The Bills are a good team, but the Patriots are just a bad matchup for them in a lot of different individual ways. So I'm right. actually I'm actually fairly confident the Patriots minus a two and a half, I think it was. Interesting. Okay. I would actually pick the Bills plus two and a half. Because I feel this game is so close, um, I would take the team that gets the points, whichever team that is. And right now it's the Bills. I don't want the Bills. <laughs> I would like for the Patriots to win the division. Although, like, you know, speaking as a Patriots fan, like, let's all be realistic about what our hopes were before the season. Before the season started, we all agreed a successful season would mean making the playoffs. None of us thought this team was going to be a Super Bowl contender. So just because their curve for the year went up in the middle and then down if they lose this game, right. I still think it's a successful season if they make the playoffs. But it'll be disappointing if they lose this game. Right. Now, and this is my last chance with the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills with a very low-level confidence. And if they can't find a way to manufacture one here, I'm just I'm done with them. I'm done with the Bills. See, I'm going with the chat now. The chat with 57% Patriots on the poll. So now I'm pandering. Excellent. <laughs> All right, uh, here's another 1 o'clock game. A lot of good 1 o'clock games. Los Angeles Rams at Minnesota. It's not important for the Rams. Uh, they're basically in if they win, I believe, and it's 97% if they lose. 
but it is very important for Mike's favorite team this year, the Minnesota Vikings. 50% of the time they make the playoffs if they win this game, only 12% if they lose this game. And Dalvin Cook went on the COVID list this morning. But I will say I feel like that has much more fantasy importance than reality importance. The Vikings offense, this is a shock, I think, to people who, who feel Cook is really, really good. They're only 25th in run DVOA this year. Not totally unsurprising. They want to run, but they're not good again. I'm, I'm checking Adam Thielen. I know that he was trying to warm up on Monday night. Yeah, that they, 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 they believe Thielen is going to give it a good shot this week and will have a better shot than he did last week. Right, right. So that's obviously the guy you want to look at, not necessarily Dalvin Cook. Um, the big game for Eagles fans, of course. Uh, we're not going to be talking about Eagles Giants, although Brian, I know you want to talk a lot about Jake Fromm. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's kind of who. Th- am I correct? That's who the Vikings are are, are battling with. The uh, I mean, certainly our num- people talk about two. There's two spots open in the NFC, but mm-hmm. our numbers believe there's one spot open in the NFC because we love the 49ers so much. Right. That it's basically the 49ers are probably in. And so that leaves one spot open. And yeah, Minnesota and Philly are the closest. Yeah, book starting for the Saints. Saints. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to the Saints in a little yeah. bit, but yeah. Right. Well, you guys know my feelings on the Vikings. I don't, I don't have much to add. I'm not going to say, oh, this is a big playoff important game against a high quality opponent. Uh, you know, I, I'm feeling, I have a good feeling about the Vikings in any I, way. I, interesting thing about the Vikings defense the Vikings' pass defense is 18th in DVOA, despite being 24th or lower against all three types of wide receivers, 28th against deep passes, and 24th against short passes. The thing they do well is rush the passer, Mm -hmm. where they're third in adjusted sack rate, except they don't, according to ESPN's pass rush win rate. Their pass rush win rate has the Vikings at 25th. So it's just like they're when they get through, they're sacking a lot, and they must be blitzing a lot. And I feel like the Rams are an offensive line that can pick that up. Are they just good at sacking? I was going to say Bears quarterbacks, but they've only played them once. I mean, is that what we're seeing here? Uh, good at sacking Lions, good at sacking some of the other opponents. Adjusted sack rate should adjust for that because it right. adjusts for opponents. So That's right. That's right. Yeah, they're really high in sacks despite being 25th in pass rush win rate. On the other side, the Rams are number one in pass rush win rate, and the Vikings offensive line is 26th in pass blocking. The Rams dominate in those ESPN trench stats, like yeah. really dominate. I feel like the Vikings exist to create that smoothie of stats that all look kind of okay. <laughs> and for the team, like we say, you know, they finish here, but they're like 25th and everything, but it all comes out like, like that's the Vikings in a nutshell. Like, like we don't have any uh, super weaknesses, but like our strength is just yeah, if, if you're below average in everything, but not worse than that, that usually ends up being okay. If you have some kind of gaping flaw somewhere that people could take advantage of. Jo- Joey Sub says the Vikings exist to inflict pain on their fans. <laughs> well, that's why the franchise was founded, yes. Useful was first, says Vikings have plenty of experience preparing for Matt Stafford-led teams, so at least they have that going for them. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> a little different um, this time, you know, a little different. I do like I do like uh the Rams in this game. Yeah. And I 
don't know if the Vikings can make it another close one. This feels to me like despite the Vikings habit of making close games, it feels a lot like the Packers Browns where we were like, it'll be 10 to 14. Like it won't be a dominating victory, but it'll be, I don't think it's going to be three. At the same time, the Rams struggled a bit with the Seahawks uh, on Monday, on a Tuesday. Sorry. It was not the greatest performance no. against the Seahawks. They had a bunch of COVID problems. I think that those are clearing up. But that, that would give me a little bit of pause if I was a Rams fan, just come, coming off of a relatively short week after not a great performance. Because they, they needed to get bailed out by a pass interference, non-call, and et cetera, and so forth. Guess who also is coming off a short week and a not-so-great performance? The Minnesota Vikings, yes. who just kind of blew out there against the, the Bears uh, as Matt Nagy had a personal self-destruction on the sideline. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. A lot of guys came back at the last minute. You know, Von Miller was like, oh, I was playing Call of Duty that morning, and then I had to go run to play the game. So I'm not too worried about that. I think they're going to be trending in the right direction health-wise at this time of year. So so I would take – it's Rams minus three, and I would take the Rams. Seconded. Yep. I'm with you guys. All right. Here's one that we have no idea who's going to be playing in, but it's important. Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Oh, God. 4 p.m. This is 4 p.m., the 4 p.m. national game that will be on in most of the country. Steelers make the playoffs 44% of the time if they win, only 12% if they lose. Kansas City, 100% if they win, 97% if they lose. Kansas City currently sixth in DVOA, Pittsburgh currently 20th. Steelers defense ninth against the pass, but 30th against the run. So it could be a big chance for the Chiefs to actually run the ball a lot, especially given that their two best receivers may be out of this game because uh, what what the hell does it take for Kansas City not to get into the playoffs, says Joey Suck. I think they would have to lose out. They have to lose out and have a lot of lot of things go very specifically behind them. Right. So I mean, it starts with it would start with losing this game. Yes. Uh, Kansas City's COVID list: Jones, Chris Jones has been on it for a while, so he might come off before this game. But Travis, Kelsey, and Tyree Kill are much more recent additions to the COVID list. Yes. So that is a difficulty in this game, no question about it. We don't know who's playing. Yeah, we're difficult talking about a game where like two of the most high impact players, and again with the modern protocols, they could get a couple. I don't know, is it one positive, uh, one negative test now and come back? I'm not even sure what they are, but they could. I be. think it is one. If you're vaccinated, vaccinated and you get one negative test, you're back. Right. Um, and the, one thing about the Steelers splits, you mentioned uh, their pass defensive splits. Steelers defense third at stopping short passes, twenty third against deep passes. So. You want to challenge them deep. The Chiefs want to challenge everybody deep, although they've been a little bit more short pass oriented recently with everybody playing too high against them. And of course you need Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to be able to exploit that if you're the Chiefs. Yeah, I would guess that that, that even though that's the split for Pittsburgh, that they'll do the too high thing that everybody does against Mahomes and try to stop the deep pass. In fact, I think they'll do that even if Tyreek Hill is not active because Pringle is a speed guy anyway, and McCole Hardman is a speed guy anyway. And mm -hmm. Joey Sex says this game is going to be 17 to 13 and make everyone miserable. A Steelers game. You're, you're describing a Steelers game. I hope they if they play two high safeties with no Tyreek out there, that run defense is going to get pasted. That because because Andy Reid is going to see that and he's going to pace that run, that run defense. Yeah, I would think that the Chiefs will run it a lot, but I think that's still what they're going to do because look, what are you scared of, Mahomes? Even if Mahomes is throwing to Hardman and Robinson and Pringle, mm 
Right. What are you more scared of, the run game or Mahomes? You're scared of Mahomes. Right. Uh, um, still, yeah, like, like, like you were saying, though, by the way, Joey, Steelers games this year, they either get blown out, and I consider the, the Vikings game a blowout. I know it got close at the end there. Uh, but, you know, the, the Bengals games, et cetera. Or it's what you were describing, Joey, 17 to 13, 16 to 13. That Titans game was hard to watch. And they try to string together these wins out of big plays by TJ Watt. And, oh, we got a DPI. Oh, we got a, uh, you know, a fourth down stop, a two-point conversion stop. That's the Steelers' method for victory here. And, again, with these guys out, it's possible to do that against the Chiefs. I mean, the line on this game is Kansas City minus 10. I'm surprised it's still so high, given the players that might miss this game. I would absolutely take Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, with all the uncertainty, yeah. I think, but I think the reason that I'm so high is because they're hope, expecting slash hoping that some of these stars will come back to the Chiefs offense. And if they do, I do think the Steelers are going to get like, blown out of the water here. But there's mm-hmm. just so much uncertainty at this point in time. Yeah, it sounds like the house thinks guys are coming back. Right. Which is interesting. Yeah. You want to be on like, Casey, plus three, Casey minus three, and then all of a sudden Kelsey and Hill are back, and then you oh, well, okay. I guess we lose all of our money then. But, Maybe this is one where you do the middle and you take the, the the Chiefs minus 10 now, banking on that, and then at kickoff, you flip it if the guys aren't back. Maybe that's what you do. That's a little macabre for my taste, but it's, it's, it'd be on the table. All right, last game we want to cover, Monday night football. This seemed a lot more interesting until about an hour before we started. Oh, it's much more interesting than me now. It's because, much- well, it seemed more uh, even. How's that? Although I'm shocked at the line here. I'm actually going to check because this one, the line may have moved in just the last, um, just the last few minutes. Yeah, I'm checking. So too. It's New Orleans at Miami. That is the Monday nighter. And is it um, off the board? It's moved in a couple of places from New Orleans minus three to Miami minus two. That sounds about right. Uh, 65% of the time if they win, 21% if they lose. Uh, Dolphins, 18% if they win, 2% if they lose. Uh, Despite the fact that they've been on this winning streak, Miami is still only 25th in DVOA because they've mostly been beating bad teams. Yes. Right? This winning streak is not – it's not that Miami is beating the top teams in the league. They have one really impressive win, which was – yeah otherwise houston jets panthers giants jets wow (laughs) the ship to be above that level of competition which is something but yes uh, there's some smoke and mirrors going on here right it's the falcons thing we are better than the following five unbelievably bad teams and therefore we're in the playoffs kind of where the dolphins are now so yeah this i mean this obviously changed a lot because ian book will now start with both trevor simeon and Taysom Hill on the COVID list. And like I said before the show, uh, show, we were talking and I tweeted out actually like, I don't remember a player drafted as high as the fourth round where every outside draft Nick said, um, this guy sucks and should not be drafted. And I said like, who liked him? And someone said Jim Nagy, the guy who yes. does the senior bowl is yes. very positive about Ian Book because Ian Book was quarterback of the senior bowl it was like best quarterback at the senior bowl in the game right like right. had a good senior bowl but um you know everybody agrees ian book's terrible yeah. Yeah. so i, I can't I, believe that the, it's still only miami minus two 
I have Derek Klassen's review of, Eric, of, of, of Ian Book here. Uh, right. Don't think he don't think he's a meaningful prospect, but he can move. Doesn't make any egregious errors and isn't afraid to play off script. He's an interesting option when the picks stop mattering on day three. Well, it's December and those day three picks have begun to matter. <laughs> I will say, I think most people hated Hackenberg as a pick. Yeah, as, especially well, as you know, a, yeah, that's true. I don't remember anybody saying anything good about Hackenberg. That is right, and that was a stunning, stunning selection when stunning. Bill O'Brien himself was like, I don't think I really want this guy. Um, but and, and, and Jim Nagy tends to, I mean, obviously it's his job as the leader of the senior bowl to talk up the guys who play at the senior bowl and, and, you know, he'll talk up their character and things like that, and their, their competitiveness and things, which is, which is great. I, I remember kind of liking Ian book, but in that sixth, seventh round, grab a pepper pot who can run. I'm trying to gauge in my head how much worse he is than Taysom Hill. Um, and he, and the answer is probably somewhat significantly worse here because he was fourth string. I don't know how many reps he's even gotten. Yeah, he's uh, also awesome. between Nick Mullins and, uh, oh, shoot, the Washington starter, Gary Grayson. Uh, yeah, and the, yeah and the, that's where he is because he's been on the team, so he knows the playbook, but right. there's a reason he was the fourth string quarterback on the team. Right, right. Pat- Patrick Seeley says, are the Saints an okay team or can they only beat the Bucks for some reason? I think they are an okay team. They have a strong defense. Yes. Um, you know, they lost five straight there after Simeon became the starter, but a couple of those losses were very close. They only lost to the Titans by two. They lost to the Falcons by two. They got slaughtered by Buffalo. But I think overall with the regular backup quarterbacks, I would say that they're like a slightly below average team with book at quarterback. They sound like a much worse team. Here's one of the shocking things about the saints though. Cause I looked up those ESPN win rates the saints are last in pass rush win rate did it seem to you against tampa that that is a team without a pass rush like cameron jordan was bullying guys yeah Uh, and davenport's had a good year yeah but they are actually lowest team in the pass rush win rate but that's okay because guess who's last in pass block win rate the miami dolphins Yeah, that's the key. I believe the numbers about the Dolphins pass blocking more than I believe trust the numbers about the Saints uh, winning. Because again, yeah, they I've seen that pass rush be effective. I'm not sure what's going on there, um, but I, I don't have an answer for why they keep beating the Buccaneers. Except, the- I think it's that that they their their defensive line seems to be the one defensive line that can really beat the Bucks offensive line. Yeah. And they and they they seem to cover the receivers one on one well yeah. enough there. Yeah, it's they're they're not cowed by this thing, and it's like oh we can't cover these guys. Of course, they didn't have the guys this week, but in the previous game it was the same way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's, it's only the playoff game, and people have pointed out Brady didn't have the best numbers in the playoff games, but by DVOA Brady had a good game in the playoff game. With all the regular season games, he's had problems uh, against the Saints. I, I, this game, I mean, I just. I can't listen to what people say about Ian Book and think that the Saints are likely to win this game. I just, I mean, I trust the, the, a lot of people that I trust think he's horrible. Yeah. But is, don't you trust is, Sean Payton's taste in quarterbacks? Not with fourth string flyers. No. <laughs> that would taste some hell for year eight of uh, the experiment. No, I don't. I do not trust Sean Payton's taste in quarterbacks. 
this is a gift for the Vikings and the Eagles in that playoff race, and a little bit for Washington and the 49ers on the on the opposite ends of it. This is this is a huge potentially a huge shift in the race for that seventh seed. And a gift to the Dolphins in their long shot attempts. They win this game, their long shot attempt to win a wild card is less of a long shot attempt. Right. You know, especially given, I mean, how much, I don't know how much stock you want to put into the history of the Patriots playing in Miami at the end of the season. But there is this historic record of Patriots teams that included a lot of players who are no longer on this team. But Patriots teams losing to Miami in Miami near the end of the season, like a lot. Going all the way back to 2004. A lot of meaningless games for the Patriots in there. But that could be the case here, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. The Dolphins become interesting if they win this game, and it just became a lot easier for them to win this game. Poll results, Miami 100%. <laughs> That's because everybody gave up. Like, oh, Ian Buck, click, we're leaving the, the, the podcast. Uh, All right. I'm, yeah. I'm what were you going to say? I'm going with the poll. Yeah, Miami. I'm going with Miami also uh, to win this game now that Ian Book is the quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's too much of a drop-off there, even even from Taysom Hill. <laughs> even from that wonderful offensive performance against the Buccaneers, it's too much of a drop-off for the end book. All right. It's an awesome Week 16. There's a lot of really good games. Thank you all for watching the show on Twitch and YouTube. Thank you for those of you who are listening to us afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe on your app of choice. Thank you to Brian and Mike for joining me. We will be back Monday. No show tomorrow. Scott Spratt will take Christmas Eve off. We'll be back on Monday to review Week 16. Yes, happy holidays. Happy Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, The other half of happy holidays I get to wish you next week. Yes. Once we get to new, once we get to new, people don't understand. But Happy Holidays is New Year's. See, New Year's is part of the phrase Happy yes. Holidays. Always has been for decades. For yes. decades, people, this was not invented. Never mind. Let go now. That's why I refer to this whole thing that goes on about Christmas as the War on New Year's. <laughs> I'm glad you stepped up to the plate. I was backing off, and you just ran in. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you next week. Enjoy week 16 and Merry Christmas. So long. Bye.